Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The phrase historic is oftentimes used flippantly in sports. It was a historic night, was it? Actually, last night, it was. And it's a huge part of why now the Nuggets find themselves up 2-1 in the NBA Finals. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Andre Snelling, ESPN senior NBA writer, joining us in studio. One of my favorite things to happen. Guys, I'm going to give you two nuggets. Two nuggets, no pun intended at this point. Everybody needs to know. Number one, Jokic and Murray are the first teammates in NBA history with a 30-point triple-double in the same game. And when you think, wow, what a dynamic duo, I then want to remind you that right now, the, the ranking in this year's postseason in the NBA, most points, Jokic. Most rebounds, Jokic. Most assists, Jokic. No player ever has led all three of those categories in the same postseason. And right now, Jokic leads all three. It was, Andre, truly a historic night for the Nuggets and a reminder that when they hit on all cylinders, they're virtually unstoppable. Yeah, they're hard to beat, though. That game last night was was interesting because I tweeted out in the first quarter that the Heat were playing with fire. Not so much because Jamal Murray and uh, got off to a hot start or what Jokic was doing. It was because they were missing layups. And I think I, I, I saw um, a, a stat for today. I believe that Butler and Adebayo were 5 for 18 on layups and shots around the rim. Some of that you have to attribute to Jokic's defense, which never really gets credited. But it also speaks to, you know, kind of like game one, but different. I'm not willing to say that the Nuggets are unbeatable when they play like that, but they set the line really high. And if you're not ready to match them, then you get last night. Yeah, and I think when you look at the Miami Heat, I I don't think they have the bona fide players to have off nights, to not do the little things right, to not have the energy and effort on their end. And when you're facing a team like the Denver Nuggets and Nikola Jokic, who at the center position can get the rebound and go down and play, you know, center guard. You know, we talk about that point forward (laughs) stuff. I'm going to call it center guard. (laughs) And then he can facilitate and get guys involved. He has nice touch around the rim. We seen him hit a three-pointer last night, shoots uh, free throws uh, at, a, at a high percentage. When you have a guy that, that's the size of him, your superstar player that's unselfish as well, if you're mm-hmm. Miami, if you don't have all your you know, I's dotted and your T's crossed, you're not going to win that ball game, in my, in my opinion. So let me ask you something, Harry, because uh, stick there for a second. We talk a lot about effort, right? And when we talk about effort, usually it's one team not bringing out enough effort. You tell me what you saw, because in my mind – As I was watching Miami, I didn't necessarily see Miami not having effort. I saw Denver having more effort. It's a a small twist to it, Harry, but it's a nuance here. Like, I didn't think one team came out flat. I just thought the Nuggets came out hotter. Well, I will say this. For the Miami Heat, they can't afford that, though. They can't afford a team to have more effort than them. Because of when you look at the players and you look at who's on their rosters and you look how their team is made up, we think about the Miami Heat. what, What do we think about? Any energy and effort, toughness, heat culture. We think about those things when we mention the Miami Heat. So when it comes to a game against the Denver Nuggets, I don't even care who the Miami Heat is playing. They can't have a scenario or a situation where they're getting out-energized 
or the, the opposing team is getting the loose balls and getting the second chance points or they're getting out rebounded. You can't afford that if you're the Miami Heat. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and Dre, I, I hear that. I just keep thinking about, like, if I trained all year and I went out with the best energy possible and Harry hadn't gotten off the couch all year, he's still going to beat me in a race, <laughs> right? Like, like there, there is some level here where it's just like, that. that's why you're right. Maybe unbeatable is the wrong word to use. But what we saw last night is that when they play with the fire of the gods, like it, it's not about Miami not playing with the fire of gods. It's just that Denver's fire of the gods burns a little hotter. So it, it makes it hard for me in that sense. Like I don't want to paint a picture where Miami laid down. I don't think they did in this. Right. Yeah, no, I don't think Miami laid down. And I think that it, it's an objective, fair statement to make that Denver is bigger, stronger, and more talented. So their high level is going to be harder for Miami to heat for the Miami to heat yeah, for like Miami to hit uh-huh, no, like <laughs> unless you know unless everything is is firing on all cylinders and Bam and, and Butler even though I talked about them missing a lot of easy looks they both played well what they were missing last night was that third guy and and you know it, it's getting a little further away you know we should bring it back to Jokic but I do think it was important that stretch in the second quarter where Gabe Vincent got like three fouls within like a minute of playing time yeah. and they were all off the ball kind of loose ball run into you files and he never recovered from that you know Gabe Vincent has had an outstanding postseason but he was a role player before this and we saw last night one of the first times that it looked like mentally he had trouble getting back into the game after he left with foul trouble and I think that was like the the death knell for the heat last night yeah, and it's, un- and it's understandable because he is, I think, right now, when I look at the Miami Heat, their third scorer. Yeah. I think he's been so consistent throughout the playoffs, but when he got in that foul trouble, he got two fouls, I think, within probably 30 seconds of one another, mm-hmm. and he had to go sit down. And immediately, guys, y'all remember what I texted y'all in the group chat when he came back in the game? I'm attacking Gabe Vincent and also Bam had two. Mm-hmm. If I was the Nuggets, I was attacking those two guys to try to make him get that third, and he got his third one you know, kind of fluky-like, but it put himself as an individual and also the Miami Heat, I thought, in poor positions when it came to scoring. Because Caleb Martin hasn't been Caleb Martin that we've seen in the Boston Celtics series. And that's one of the collateral damage things that happens. That's why you need to be aggressive when you got somebody on the floor that you know you can go after. Because maybe it's a fluke, but it still changes the outcome of the game. And speaks to, to Denver's basketball IQ also. It, it's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Uh, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Andre Snelling's ESPN senior NBA writer joining us in studio. We were talking about Jokic. And obviously one of the things that's funny about Jokic is that he seems very even keel about everything. He was asked after the game about his historic night the historic night in Game 3. This is how it went down. You are the first person in NBA history to have a 30-20-10 NBA Finals game. What does that mean to you? I mean, to be honest, not, not much. Uh, <laughs> I figured you were going to yeah, say yeah. that. But, uh, yes, I'm just glad that we won a game. Uh, it was a big one for us just because they won in our arena. So we just wanna, didn't want to go down 2-1. God, you know, just the most unassuming. That eh, doesn't mean much. Uh, it's a, what did he say after game two? Some nights you win, some nights you lose. Like, there was an even keel, Dre, that I just, I, I'm falling in love with Jokic through this whole process. <laughs> Normally when I come on here on Fridays, we have the love music playing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So you needed some of that today. Yeah, Jokic, so last week um, I was on Canty and Carlin, and we did a, a, a top five, my top five most unguardable players in the NBA. And I had Jokic number one over all of the wings and and all of the other players because he's so 
It's so hard to stop him from doing what he does in such a unique way because he creates not just for himself, but for his team consistently, like every time down. And um, there's there's a, a, a software package called Second, uh, Second Spectrum, and it's a scouting package. It tracks all of these different plays across the entire NBA season. Jokic is number one in passes made every year. Like for the last four years, you know, Nikola Jokic throws more passes because they run their entire offense through him. But in addition to that, like supervision that he has to be able to to get his teammates looks, the uh, the the what do you call him guard center, uh, the, the yeah, point yeah, guard, yeah, <laughs> guard center. center. I like that. We're making that a phrase. Point point center. Yeah, point center. Point, the, center. point center. He also because he's so like girthy. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm a girthy dude too. At a at a baby Drake. <laughs> you know, he, he, he's so, definitely love Friday now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the love yeah. but you know he's so girthy that it's only a very few opposing big men that can stop him from getting his own shot when he wants it. And the Heat, as great as Bam Adebayo is, he's too light in the tail to be able to stop Jokic from going where he wants as a scorer. So you put that passing and scoring ability together, he is hard to stop. And I would say this, y'all. You look at Jokic came in the lead in 2015, right? I think when you look at the number of games and how durable he's been since he's came into the NBA, there's only been one time where he didn't play over 70 games or more. Mm -hmm. And that was this season, and he played 69. I think being available, you know, says a lot about him, his training, and his approach to the game of basketball. Because being available and then being that player that you are for the Denver Nuggets, that means those guys can count on you, you're dependable, and they don't have to worry when they pull up to an arena, is he going to be able to withstand or is his body going to hold up? He consistently has been doing it since he came into the NBA. Yeah, everything you're saying makes so much sense, Harry. And it's funny to me, I texted this to Harry last night, Jerry, but in my mind, so many times people have been saying, well, the Nuggets aren't flashy. They're not fun to watch. Mm -hmm. I think it's amazing to watch because you were seeing this, like I said, as we came in. It's somewhere somewhere between a a clinic and and art. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but Jokic's ability to create his shot from whatever angle he wants, whenever he wants it, and his ability to pass like he's on a playground in New York all at the same time while facilitating, for me, it takes my breath away in every positive way. Yeah, so um, one of the players that he's often compared to as a passing center is Bill Walton, you know, back in, in, in the 70s. And that Portland Trailblazers team uh, that, that Walton led to the, the title, we had to go through Kareem's Lakers, they used to call it the beautiful game, you know, Jack Ramsey's beautiful game. And when you've got a center that's able to make those passes to set up the wing players and the, the perimeter players in positions where they can get the shots they want. And then, of course, you know, his, his, for his four, he's, he's got Aaron Gordon, who's one of the best finishers, dunkers in the NBA. He's able to just kind of maestro. I used to call Chris Paul the maestro. Like, Nikola Jokic has taken on that mantle um, from the center position. Speaking of maestros, one NBA maestro says the only thing missing from his resume is now messing with his family. We're going to tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
the Suns are planning on waiving the point god himself, Chris Paul. The bottom line, he's 38 years of age, one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. He's got to be in a position where he's competing for a championship. No true surprises. If you look at the Lakers and the Clippers, both of those opportunities make sense for different reasons. They've come up short based on expectations. He adds to that position big time for both of those squads. I can't even imagine what we're going to do if Chris Paul has the opportunity to go somewhere else. And again, it doesn't result in a championship because it feels like at this point, two phrases are cemented together. Chris Paul and he's got to get a chip. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Andre Snellings, ESPN NBA senior writer, joining us in studio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I can't say this loud enough. I don't think any human being has to get a championship. I don't give a damn what any of you say. But (laughs) that being said, uh, obviously it's on everybody's mind, including Chris Paul's mind. This is what he said on The Pivot, the amazing podcast with RC and the boys. Uh, This is what he said on The Pivot about the title, the lack of a title, and how it's even impacting his his family. It's tough on me, but I think it's probably even harder for the people around me, right? Especially my wife. My wife is the one who has to bear those late nights, those I can't sleep, and my kids. Like, my daughter is the sweetest soul you'll ever meet in your life. But she's at that age now where at school, kids talk crazy to her. She had a little boy, whatever, at school that said some reckless stuff to her. It was like, your daddy ain't never going to win no championship, right? And my baby is so, she's special. She'll hold it together there, but when she got in the car, she called. And she was upset. And I had to have that conversation with her and talk to her, you know, and tell her, like, baby, some people talk and some people do. Mm-hmm. But that's part of it. It's tough, man. But can't nobody ever be harder on me than I am on myself. I mean, both of y'all have families, Harry. I know that that riled you up just hearing that uh, that trash talk coming to his daughter. Yeah, uh, honestly, be honest with you, it recently happened. I, I went to my daughter's uh, career day. And then it was like a few days later, she was telling me, well, this person said you aren't good. And I didn't like that, Dad. And I was like, it's all good, baby. Like, you live how you want to live because I make sacrifices to make sure you're good. <laughs> like, don't worry about anything else. But it, it is it is tough, you know, on, on, on these athletes' uh, families. Uh, but Chris Paul, man, he's a guy that, you know, growing up in the AAU circuit, my father, his father, really, really close. Uh, they talk um, numerous of times, and when they do talk, it's for a very, very long time. And I would say this, being able to see him from the AAU circuit, from when we were kids, to at Wake Forest, to going to New Orleans and being able to, you know, be the, the mold on what a pure point guard is supposed to be like um, has been fascinating. And he's had a phenomenal career. But that championship is not on his resume. They were able to get to the NBA Finals with the Phoenix Suns. They were up 2-1 against the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks came back and won that series. There's been numerous of occasions where, you know, they may have had a lead on the Golden State Warriors when he was in Houston. And injuries has played a major factor in CP3 not being able to accomplish some of the things that he, he hasn't been able to accomplish. And right now, at this point, that would only be a championship. But... The question lies, like, what are you still getting from Chris Paul for whatever team that he's going to? And I think you'll be able to get a guy who, who's a leader, who's going to um, bring it every single day, though, right? Who's not going to let the people around him slack or, you know, not give their all because he said on numerous of occasions, 
him and players like that don't mix together. But I would love to see Chris Paul get a championship just because he's been doing it at a high level for so long. And I hate when players, you know, of his caliber don't have one on their resume um, because he's so doggone talented and he's accomplished so many other, uh, many other things. But I would like to see him get one. Well, the question becomes, Trey, where? Like, where where can Chris Paul go, knowing the version of Chris Paul we're getting today, yeah. where he's going to have a viable chance at a chip? Yeah, so that last thing you said I think is super important. The version of Chris Paul that we have today. Um, I heard Antonio Daniels on here, you know, last hour, talking about his leadership and what he brings to any team and how important that is. But AD also was like, well, we know what we're getting on the court. One of the best floor generals, I think he invoked Jokic and LeBron's names. That's not where Chris Paul is anymore. He's, he's an excellent player, but I would always talk about on his 37th birthday last year in the playoffs, it was like Cinderella in reverse because he went from in the playoffs averaging like 18 and nine or something to averaging six and five after that. And he never really fully recovered this season. So now he's at that, I'm going to be the vet leader. Um, maybe if you need me to come in at important times and settle the team down, he could be that role on a championship level team. So to me, it's like a handful of squads. Um, the, the Boston Celtics are who I immediately think of because that's the biggest thing they're missing is that point guard that's able to settle things down in the fourth quarter. And we've, we saw that bite them this year and last. The, the 76ers, we don't know what's going to happen with, with James Harden. We don't know what exactly the history is with Harden and Paul after their time together in Houston. But I wouldn't even say him instead of Harden. I would love to see him on top of Harden so that maybe Harden can play off the ball some in important situations. Uh, the, the Miami Heat, Cal Lowry is playing that role that I think Chris Paul could play on a championship level team. And, and you know, I'm not sure what Lowry's future is, but I could see Paul with the Heat. He seems like he would fit in right there. One last Eastern squad, the Milwaukee Bucks. They're another one that's championship ready right now that could contend without Paul having to be the one that carries them there. Yeah, Harry, I know you love that Boston fit, right? Yep. Yeah, that's one of the uh, first things I text y'all because when I look at the Boston Celtics and I look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think a lot of times they get in trouble because they have to play the position of a point guard. And when you have someone like Chris Paul that can actually set them up and get them the ball in their sweet spots versus them trying to do it every time down the court, in which we've seen not just in this past playoffs, but a year ago in the NBA Finals, that's when Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown get in trouble a lot. I think having a guy to be able to settle things down when things go, go, go to get sporadic, but also let guys know that, hey, our shot selection need to be better. I'm not saying Chris Paul has to go in there and average 16 and 12 assists, no, but being able to have someone on the floor that can calm things down when it needs to be calmed down, in which I don't think they've had that the last two years, will be very feasible for the Boston Celtics. We're going to get a real sense of what Chris Paul sees when he looks in the mirror to me over the course of the next couple of weeks. Because to, to the point you've both made, in some ways, these teams need a contributor that can actually come out and play. And in some ways, they need a Jeff Green. I keep going back to what we saw last night during the broadcast and what he meant on the floor as a coach. There's a, there's a between all of this that I think Chris Paul falls into. I think we will find out quickly what he thinks of the championship need to his legacy based on the decisions he makes 
if and when he is waived over the course of the next couple of weeks. That will create a whole other conversation. A championship team is what he wants, but that's about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Dre, as always, man, we appreciate you hanging out with us in the studio. It's always fun when you're with us. It's the let's ride for me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, fellas. It's always a pleasure. Going up, there's one NFL quarterback that has a ton of pressure to deliver a championship in 2023, but is he in a position to actually do it? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. So I'm sitting up this morning, enjoying my morning, making my egg whites, my protein bagel. Because so even healthy. even with a, uh, a stress fracture in my foot, I'm still my you know my body's a temple. Got to make sure now that I'm taking even better care of my diet needs, right? And I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden I look over and I hear Harry Douglas absolutely kicking ass on Get Up. I turn the volume up and I'm yelling at the TV because I want in on the conversation. But the great thing about having this show is that we just get to bring it here. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And this morning, there was a conversation about Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. And it's interesting because it all stems first and foremost, like everything in the world, from money. I hate to be overly cynical, but let's be real. In fact, Diana Rossini this morning on GetUp educated all of us on why there could be a possible extension between the Cowboys and Dak Prescott when she said this. I think collectively around the NFL, there isn't a lot of urgency in terms of paying attention to the situation in Dallas, right? So he's got two years left on his deal. It's a $60 million cap hit. Uh, for next season, right? So this is something where the Dallas Cowboys are going to want to try to get an extension done with Dak. And, you know, Jerry says that he wants to do this, right? So this is something we're going to keep an eye on over the summer because, you know, they're going to want to try to get a deal done as we're seeing around the league right now, other quarterbacks looking to get paid, right? We know Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, we're waiting for those deals to get done. But Dak Prescott could be one of those quarterbacks to get it done. And they're going to want to because they're not going to want to have to pay top dollar. Money equals pressure, though, Harry. And that raised the question that you were asked. Who's under more pressure this year? Is it Dak or is it McCarthy? And I think your answer, your answer has been interesting. Well, yeah. Well, first, I think both of these uh, human beings and Dak Prescott and, you know, Mike McCarthy have pressure on them this season. But if I had to lean towards one or the other, it's going to be Mike McCarthy in my eyes because he is the head coach of the football team, right? And we got to remember, Kellen Moore is no longer the offensive coordinator. He kind of got the boot, and now Mike McCarthy is taking over the duty. So now it's his job to call the right plays for this offense. It's also his job to put Dak Prescott in the right positions to be successful. Now, Mike McCarthy has to do all of those things on top of managing a football team because he's still the head coach. You still got special teams. I understand you have Dan Quinn as your defensive coordinator, but as the head coach, you oversee every single detail and every single thing that goes on with your organization. So I just think it's a lot of pressure on Mike McCarthy this season to not only call plays and put Dak in the right positions, but make sure his team is still collectively together, but also... He has to perform as that offensive play caller. And I get it. I understand, Fitz. He, if he's going to go down, he doesn't want to go down with Kellen Moore and somebody else calling the plays. I understand. I get it. 
but there's pressure on him. He better get it done. So what's great about this is that's a fair, measured, and well-articulated, smart take on that. Uh, did you ever watch Key and Peele, Harry? Did you ever watch the show Key no, and Peele? No, I did <laughs> Okay, Key and Peele used to have this bit in Key and Peele where there was the Obama anger translator during the Obama administration. So, like, Obama would say something smart, and then the uh, anger translator would come in and say it the way it meant to be said, right? I was listening to you this morning, and I was yelling, oh, my God, Harry is so right here. Not only because of everything you just mentioned, but one simple thing. What is success? For Dak Prescott, what is success means you don't blow a playoff game. I agree with that. It means that you limit your interceptions. I agree with that. Those are things you can control, all right? For McCarthy, what is success? A Super Bowl. That's it. Anything short of a Super Bowl, and the fan base and the owner could look at it and be like, well, why didn't you get it done? Like, to your point, they've added all this extra pressure. And the one question that nobody seems to be looking at with this is, what will McCarthy have to do to get everybody off his back? The only answer is a Super Bowl. So if you are truly Super Bowl or bust when it comes to the people getting off your back about doing your damn job, of course there's more pressure. If Dak comes in and plays terribly, even through that process, there's going to be just this little sliver in the back of Jerry Jones' mind and this little sliver in the back of Cowboys fans' mind saying, well, McCarthy's not doing enough. McCarthy is the problem, right? There is no scenario where McCarthy doesn't take some of the blame, and there are a bunch of scenarios where McCarthy takes all of the blame. And because we heap these stupid championship or bust expectations on the Cowboys all the time, it is absolutely true there's more pressure on McCarthy this year because he's the only one that the only line that is successful is the absolute top of the mountain as dumb as that Look, is. Look, it, it, everything that you said was brilliant, but I'll even add this well, to you. it though, Fitz. I don't think it's pressure for Mike McCarthy to even get to a Super Bowl because in my eyes, you got to crawl before your damn walk. Mm. There's pressure on him to at least reach an NFC championship game because you also got to realize I view the Cowboys right now as being a third best team in the NFC. I have the Philadelphia Eagles at number one. I have the San Francisco 49ers at number two. Who's been the one team that has beat the Dallas Cowboys the last two years in the playoffs? It's mm-hmm. been the San Francisco 49ers. We all know what the Philadelphia Eagles are capable of doing, and Jalen Hurts has ascended and passed Dak Prescott in that division. So I would say, honestly, an NFC championship game. You can't lose in the wild card round. You can't lose in the divisional round. Now, if you happen to lose in the NFC championship game, and it's just one of those tough fighting games where you came out on the losing end, I think Mike McCarthy will still have his job. But if he cannot reach an NFC championship game, I think they're going to give him the boot. Yeah, I love what you said about the eye test, something that we're just going to use more and more because it's real in this process and because, frankly, we watch so much of all of this. Everybody does, right? But it's it's going to be in part, how do the Cowboys look, right? Like, yep. what do you see when you see the Cowboys? And this is why anybody that's listening to this show for two seconds knows that part of what I hate is this championship up or bust conversation because let's say somebody has the single best game of their life and their team happens to lose. I'm not going to put that on the individual, right? I think for the Cowboys, boys for Mike McCarthy to to get out of this pressure cloud that he's under right now it's going to take the Cowboys passing the eye test and the hardest part about that is that he won't control all of that he can't control whether players make the right plays you know he can't control whether there's a weird Hail Mary that's called the wrong way there's all these little variables he can't control for Dak all he has to do is control what he can't control is he making the right play 
with the football every time he has the opportunity. We've seen Dak do that in the past. I think we will see Dak do that. And by the way, I think I agree with you. I think the Cowboys are going to be very good. I think McCarthy is going to end up being just fine through this process. And I think Dak keeps his job and gets an extension. All of that is right in front of them. It's just the only variable that makes more pressure on McCarthy is that he doesn't have as much control in my mind of his own destiny. That being said, with all of that conversation on GitHub, there was one other thing said this morning that absolutely enraged Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry. You know, we've got two great producers on the show, and I like to make your mom jokes to Devin whenever possible. Tell the world what you say every time I make your mom joke. Oh, come on! Rob Palenka sat down at his desk. He poured himself a nice glass of whiskey. He's taking a sip, and he's saying, man, I did the impossible today. And then all of a sudden, Devin, what did he say a few hours later? Oh, come on! See? (laughs) I'm telling you! It's all with love, though. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And your smart speakers, just ask them politely to play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Don't forget Game 4, Nuggets Heat. Coverage begins Friday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. Not tonight, tomorrow night. Tonight, all eyes should be on the city of Las Vegas. I mean, it's really taking place in, in Miami. Who cares? But all eyes should be on the party happening in Vegas as the Golden Knights have the chance to go up 3 nothing in the Stanley Cup final. But I digress. We have football to talk about. Diana Rossini was on Get Up this morning. And uh, she was on Get Up with my boy, Harry Douglas. And you're my boy, Blue. And I was listening to Diana Rossini when she said this about the gap at the quarterback position on Get Up between Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and then Josh Allen. I think collectively around the NFL, there isn't a lot of urgency in terms of paying attention to the situation in Dallas, right? So he's got two years left on his deal. It's a $60 million cap hit uh, for next season, right? So this is something where the Dallas Cowboys are going to want to try to get an extension done with Dak. And, you know, Jerry says that he wants to do this. I have apparently hit the wrong one. So I'm just going to try this again because that isn't working for me. Uh, actually, I'll have you guys cue it in there. We'll see if we can get it to go from there. Um, we're working on this, Diana Rossini sound, but it all comes from the Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen conversation you guys were having this morning that eventually I'll figure out. There, Devin's got it. We'll, we'll try I it was again. so confused. I was well, like, that's not it. I was it. confused, too, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. Go ahead, Devin. Let's try this again. Harry, I feel like you're painting a picture of, of a big gap between Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen, and, and I don't think the gap is that big large you look at this buffalo bills defense they've got to be a top three defense in the nfl this upcoming season the moves they made the signings they made sean mcdermott taking over the play call and we know leslie frazier has stepped away right and and sean mcdermott is known for his scheme and what he's able to do on the coaching side he's been a good head coach but i think this is where they're going to flourish so all of that comes from your opinion as as she painted it there here that uh, there's a large gap between yeah where Joe Burrow is and where Patrick Mahomes is and where Josh Allen is. You buying it? Well, here's the thing, right? We have Patrick Mahomes, who's number one, right? Then we have Joe Burrow that's number two. And I think you you, you understand that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the National Football League, and Joe Burrow is coming. And But then now you have Josh Allen. Do I think Josh Allen is on the same level as Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes? No, I don't. And here's the thing. 
you got to look at those two quarterbacks as being the, you know, one of the reasons why the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen haven't made a Super Bowl the last three years, right? We've we seen the game last year up in, you know, Buffalo, Joe Burrow go in there in the cold weather and play better than Josh Allen. We've seen Patrick Mahomes in 2021. You had that miraculous game from Josh Allen, like 324, 28 yards and four touchdowns. Well, Patrick Mahomes threw for 379 and three touchdowns. And Patrick Mahomes got the football with 13 seconds left and led the team down to get a field goal and also got the ball first in overtime, and they went and won. The year before that, Patrick Mahomes was the sole reason why the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen didn't advance to the Super Bowl. So in saying that, when I look at these quarterbacks, I want the guy or the guys that's going to make the least amount of mistakes when certain things are on the line for my football team. In my eyes, that's Patrick Mahomes. That's Joe Burrow. One other thing when I look at when I'm looking at those two quarterbacks is that they have something Josh Allen doesn't. It's a run game. I understand that those two guys can pass for phenomenal yards, but when the Cincinnati Bengals need to run the football, they run it well, in which they did against the Buffalo Bills last year. The Buffalo Bills did not. When Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs need to run the football, they're able to do, do so. In which, in 2021, that phenomenal game that was played, the Kansas City Chiefs were able to run the football. Guess who weren't able to run the football very effectively? It was the Buffalo Bills. So when I look at all those things, if Patrick Mahomes, as long as Patrick Mahomes and uh, Joe Burrow in the AFC, it's going to be tough for Josh Allen to be able to reach a Super Bowl because of those two things alone. The ability to take care of the football by those two and not so much by Josh Allen, but also the ability to, the ability to run the football when you need to by those two guys in their teams and not Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I feel like there's some element. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry. Uh, what you're talking about with Josh Allen with the turnovers, I think is particularly important. Uh, I was trying to pull up the red zone numbers. I can't hear. But when you when you look at the number of interceptions last year thrown in the red zone, we remember those conversations, right? We were talking about the fact that he was pressing too hard in the red zone particularly, right? So at some point you look at that and say, okay, that's a quarterback not necessarily making the perfect play at the perfect time. The other two that we're talking about, we've seen make unthinkable plays at unthinkable times that helps their team win games. Like, I've seen Mahomes elevate the Chiefs. I've seen Burrow elevate the Bengals. And yes, I've seen Josh Allen elevate the Bills, but not to that Super Bowl level. So, I, while it's fair to say I think there's a gap between them, it doesn't mean that one sucks. Like, I think that's where the nuance in this comes. Like, there's nothing wrong with saying that on this end, you might have the next Brady versus Manning. And that's what I think you and I both believe that. Burrow, uh, Burrow versus Mahomes is this generation's Brady versus Manning. It doesn't mean that the other quarterback, like it doesn't mean Big Ben sucked. It just meant that there was a, a, a gap between what was expected of one quarterback versus the other, right? Like Josh yeah. Allen can prove all that wrong with one long run, but we haven't seen it yet. Exactly, and, and I love Josh Allen as a quarterback, of but course. when it comes to the, the little things that matter in a football game, especially when you get to playoff time, being able to take care of the football, feeling like you don't have to be Superman. See, Patrick Mahomes understands when he needs to be Superman, but he also understands when he doesn't need to be Superman. Joe Burrow understands in the pocket when he has to be Superman and when he just needs to dump that ball off to another guy so they can be Superman. They understand these things. Also, I love the fact that, and I put some of this on the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, when you run the football effectively, you take that much more pressure off of Josh Allen. 
That's what we've been able to see from the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Burrow, from Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs that we haven't seen from Buffalo yet. And it doesn't mean we won't see it, but I think it's really fair, Harry, to sit there and say, hey, it doesn't mean he can't do it, but he hasn't done it yet. And, you know, certainly, as I've said a million times, it's not Josh Allen's fault that the Bills give up a touchdown with 12 seconds left. Sure. Uh, But at some point, we haven't seen it yet, and we have seen it, whether it was the college and the pros. We've seen it at different times from Burrow. We've obviously seen it from Mahomes. Like, this is the next step in the trajectory for Josh Allen, but he doesn't belong on that shelf until we've seen that happen, in my mind. No, I agree with you. All right. Well, we'll, well obviously, uh, you and I uh, together, we, we would have won that that debate anyway. But Diana Racine, we still love, friend friend of the show. But uh, uh, but you were right and she was wrong. I'm just saying, all right, uh, coming up, the one thing that can't happen to the Heat happened in Game 3. Can they fix it in time to save their season? We'll break it down next. Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 